Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Heater. And recently in the Facebook group, I made a post asking if you could ask me anything and have me address it on a podcast, what would you ask me? And this episode is one of those questions. This week's question is from Daniela in the Facebook group, and she wants to know how to balance your personal life and Girl Scouts. Oh boy, you guys. <laughs> this is hard. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things here that we could talk about, but I think um I'm gonna say the first thing that comes to mind is giving yourself grace and being really patient with yourself that you're not necessarily going to be able to give a hundred percent to all the things. And sometimes that's going to be Girl Scouts and sometimes that's going to be other things because of Girl Scouts. And it's okay if you have seasons that, you know, Girl Scouts is a bigger priority and seasons where it's not as big of a priority. And it's natural that you're going to have seasons where you're really motivated and encouraged to be engaged and seasons where you feel a little bit resentful or tired of doing Girl Scouts. That's completely normal. And um, so we should all give ourselves more grace for those things. I think another thing that I would say is um, planning the year ahead made an astronomical difference to me. I found that, um, I mentioned this in the last episode, but I found that spending the summer not the whole summer, but spending some time in the summer pre-planning the entire Girl Scout year made a big difference. And so I've talked about year planning a lot on this podcast. Go back to previous episodes if that's interesting to you for the whole process. But essentially what we would do is toward the end of the Girl Scout year, one of the meetings would be getting the girls to pick stuff that they're interested in, both field trips and um, badges that they were interested in. Uh, and high awards if that's something that they're interested in, right? So we would discuss all that with the girls at one of the meetings towards the end of the year. Then over the summer, uh, my co-leaders and I would meet up and, or before I had really involved co-leaders, I would just do it, take what we learned from the girls about what they were interested in, and we would just plan the entire year. And so basically we would look at the academic calendar and write that in for you know when the breaks are, when they go back to school, first day of school, and so on and last day of school and all of that, then we would kind of plot out where our troop meeting dates were going to be because we'd pick when we were going to go back to troop, as they say, back to Girl Scouts. Um, Usually we would do that like the second week of school or so, not the first week of school because there's like a lot going on for parents, but like the second week of school usually. And then we would like write out all of our troop meeting dates or fill it in in a calendar And we'd see where like the winter holidays fall so that we could kind of account for no one's really going to be available to come between Christmas and New Year's. And I'm not trying to be like Christian focused, but just generally speaking, because everybody's off school and work at that time. Um, Not everybody, but the general population is off of school and work at that time. So virtually no one is going to be available to come to troop stuff during that time. So we would go ahead and um, 
and like plan out our winter break. Then we would go in and look at dates that worked for all of us co-leaders for events each month because we would do one event monthly. So we'd pick like what weekend was going to work best that month for most of us. And then we would go in and fill in seasonal stuff. So if we know that, um, you know, we want to go to a pumpkin patch in October, then we would, you know, pick that. It's a silly thing somewhat. But, you know, there's things that are seasonal specific. Um, Cookie season dates, as soon as we had them, we'd write them in. Our cookie season is very consistent. So even if we didn't have official confirmed dates at the time we were planning this, we could estimate them. And so um, we would kind of plot that in. Then we would go back in and fill in based on the other field trips we know we're interested in. And we already have seasonal ones built in. So where does it make the most sense to potentially do these other field trips? Then that's kind of created this like arc for the year. So are there specific badges that kind of go with those different field trips that we might want to build into actually our meeting plans? And so by working backwards that way, we would end up with all of our meeting plans, all of our field trips, dates for everything, even supply lists for everything. You can take advantage. There's usually summer sales or back to troop sales uh, through the girlscoutshop.com website. So we'd be able to take advantage of those and purchase all of the badges and patches even for the year up front. We could put together um, calendars and sign up sheets and who even whatever other permission forms we might want for the parents meeting so we could have all of that prepped before we went back to troop. And that extra planning made the rest of the year so easy. I also shared on the last episode, I would schedule my meeting reminder emails <laughs> ahead of time. So you could literally do like a couple of months or even a whole semester at a time where you schedule in those meeting reminders. For Gmail, it's built in. It's free to just send later and you schedule a date and time. And then it's sitting in your draft folder or your out box, your outgoing mailbox, and you can go in and literally edit it if you have to or edit the recipients or anything like that. So honestly, um, that, that helped a lot too. Cause then all I really had to do was make sure I had the right supplies and show up. And with supplies, I even got to then badges. I even got to the point where I would pre-package them and label them. I've shared this on the podcast before. So it had the date on it. So it's like, okay, this is my October 7th box. I'm taking this. This has all my supplies for October 7th and the badges that we're earning that day. I just need to grab the October 7th box and show up to the meeting location on October 7th. Like, okay, got it. And everything else was pre-scheduled, pre-prepped, everything. That helped me so much with juggling everything else in my life during the school year. On the same vein, in the same vein, in the same vein, on the same note, on the same track, whatever. I loved taking summers off. By the time the summer came around, I needed a break. And by the time the summer was over, I missed the heck out of my Girl Scout troop. So I do recommend building in time off. Um, If you want to meet year round, just build in breaks throughout the whole year. We would do like a, usually like a three week break in the winter and then like a two month break or two and a half months. Let's see, we would stop meeting in the beginning of May, 
because school generally gets out beginning to mid-May here. And then we generally go back to school early August. So we would be done from, we would not meet from like early May to early August. And um, yeah, so that worked really well for us. Taking breaks. And then um, another thing that I would say for balancing your personal life with Girl Scouts is getting help. And that sounds dramatic. If you do need mental health support, you should support that too. Get help. But I mean get help as in find some (laughs) co-leaders. Find at least a co-leader. Your co-leader can be your best friend or your coworker or your sister or your aunt or your mom or whoever, you do need to have another person for bank account purposes and for girl safety that's unrelated to you that's there. But you can also just ask somebody in your life to help with your troop um, who you just like spending time with and you know you can count on and they might be interested <laughs> in the kind of stuff that you do. Um, they don't have to have kids in the troop. I didn't have any kids in my troop. None of my co-leaders had any kids in my troop the entire lifetime of my troop. Everybody that I ended up asking or that came to me wanting to help, all either their kids were grown or they had only boys or they had not started having kids yet. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. It's uh, it's not like we were opposed to having somebody, you know, a parent helping. It just sort of worked out that way that none of us did. And all of that to say, you can get help um, that isn't necessarily one of the existing parents in your troop. But asking the existing parents in your troop for help also counts. And when it comes to asking existing people in your troop community for help, um, I would not suggest just sending a general email saying, I need someone to help me. That's not going to work out. People are not going to offer to help. I wish they would. It's just unrealistic. Um, What's much more realistic is coming up with specific concrete things that you need help with and then asking specific people, will you help me with this? (laughs) Not just a blanket email, will anyone help me with this? But specific people who you know you like and you can count on and who generally are not opposed to being involved, ask them. So, um, and I actually do this with the girls too. When I need help at a meeting, I ask a specific girl, will you please help me? Or so-and-so and so-and-so, I need both of your you to come and help me, right? Not, will anyone help me? That is just not the most effective way to ask for help. So just letting you know, that's a little hack from me to you. I've shared it on this podcast before, but pick somebody who you like and who you want help from and ask them specifically. If they truly can't do it, they will say no. But most people have a really hard time saying no. So if you ask them personally and you have a concrete ask of what you need help with, it is so much more likely that you're going to get help. And I wouldn't say, will you be a co-leader? I would say, do you think you could stay at stay for meetings, I really, I really need the extra pair of hands and having somebody to stay for meetings would be really, really helpful. And I like you. So would you please stay with me and just be an extra pair of hands and an extra set of eyes at troop meetings and see what they say, right? Um, also things you could ask for help with might be 
hey, I need help sending email reminders or collecting RSVPs. Do you think you could help me with that? And a lot of the moms in your troop also know the other moms in your troop. So that's another big benefit is that if they can't help you or if there's specific tasks that you're talking about, they might say so-and-so is really good at this kind of thing. She's really organized and keeps really good to-do lists. And she's been super involved with birthday parties and PTA events and this and that. And so I've seen her organization. She'd be great at that. Um, similarly, just asking somebody to be the cookie mom, <laughs> that sounds like a big commitment and no one knows what it is. So that's going to be confusing. You're going to have to be more specific. I need somebody to, um, to be in charge of the troop cookie inventory. So I don't have space at my house. Um, I don't have the ability to do it in order for our troop to sell cookies. I really, really, really need help with storing our troop inventory, um, is that something you would be open to? You have such a centrally located house and um, you're just so reliable and I could really, like I trust you so much. I will give you all of the information and support that you need to do it correctly. It's not that bad. I just, I can't physically house the cookies. Can you please help me? And, and that person is going to say yes if it's something they realistically can do, right? So... Just giving you suggestions for some ways to ask for help. Um, one thing that you can do if you're having trouble figuring out, I don't even know what help to ask for, is to make a list of the stuff that you do to manage your troop and identify what literally has to be done by you and what could be done by someone else and then ask somebody else to do it. If you have the budget for it, you could even hire a virtual assistant for help with things. Um, now, this is not something that I would necessarily like promote using troop funds for. It would be something if you just happen to be able to hire an assistant yourself. Um, and to give you perspective on kind of what something like that might cost. I have a virtual assistant for my business. She does not live in the same state as me. And I pay... Well, I pay her more now because I've hired her for more hours. But when I very first started working with her, I paid her like $500 a month for 20 hours a month. So that meant about five hours per week. You guys, for help with Girl Scouts, that's actually like a ton of help. Um, so you could potentially do like even half of that. So if that's something that you personally or you and your co-leaders could go in on together to float, you could have somebody who would do things like schedule email reminders, do research for you, make reservations for you, um, all, all kinds of planning and preparation work. So there's definitely some help there, help you with their managing your troop finances, like essentially bookkeeping. You could literally run it like a business. Now, this gets a little bit tricky as far as like safety and security. So you want to make sure that you're not, you know, ever putting kids in a position that they're unsafe. And you also want to make sure that um, you're using troop funds appropriately. So that's just the caveat there. Not to say that <laughs> I don't know if troop funds could pay for that. I personally would do that out of pocket if I was going to do it. But um, they could also help you support your personal life. So if it's something that you're making a personal expense, then the stuff that they help you with doesn't have to just be Girl Scouts. You could also bring on help to help you with balancing your personal life. And if this isn't virtual, if it's in person, they could help you with picking up your groceries and putting them away in your kitchen. They could help you with cleaning your 
house. They could help you with um, projects around your house. Like one of the things we talked about doing last year was bringing somebody in to help us clean out our garage. Just finding somebody local who um, was looking for a couple hours of work to be able to pay them, you know, hourly or whatever. And um, just like get some help with projects like that. Um fixing our our storage in our garage and and purging and um and things like that. So or organizing, right? Like organizing your pantry, organizing your garage, organizing any other room of your house like that uh home edit um TV show get organized on Netflix. So you could also hire somebody who helps you with your personal stuff. And then if you have extra hours, they could also help you with Girl Scouts potentially. But again, that I would make a personal expense, but they could help you with um, managing, you know, your own personal bills with managing your uh, appointments, making appointments or managing your calendar, you uh, or your kids calendars, right? Like there are things that a virtual assistant or a personal assistant could help you with without them even having to be local to you. And so, uh, and it doesn't have to be a huge expense. And I think that's something that I always thought was going to be just so astronomical. It was something that I would never be able to afford. And I understand a lot of people may not have 250, 300, 400, 500 dollars a month to spend on something like that. And that is totally fair too. Obviously, you can also ask for help that's not paid. But I just want to bring this up as an option to you that if you've never thought of it before, you could literally hire somebody to help you with your personal life. Um, And that is going to help you manage balancing. Um, Because I think for me, something that I've really noticed is that things like taking care of my household, like cleaning, you know, especially deep cleaning things like um, mopping and um, cleaning my windows, like my glass and, uh, you know, like the bathrooms and sheets and stuff like that, vacuuming, that stuff I'm fine with, but and dishes, like that stuff has kind of has to be done in my mind. But um, it's the deeper cleaning that like, honestly, I have time for that, like a hole in the head. I'm just I'm just not going to do it as much as I wish it was done. That's the truth. And so if I can bring someone in to do it for me, then it's going to mean I'm living in a more balanced environment and I'm going to be happier. But also you do have to have a budget for it. So, you know, um, and obviously uh, I think like ethical payment and treatment and stuff would be really important, but just a, just an option and um, just putting it out there. Not to say that you have to be in a position to pay somebody for help in order to balance your personal life in Girl Scouts. You definitely don't. And that's why I put it so far down the list. But I kind of want to float it out there because if this helps somebody, you should do it. If you want to hire an assistant, especially a virtual one, and you don't know how to do that, send me an email, girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. I'll help you. Um, Okay. And again, you can set that amount of of hours or uh, whatever based on your budget as low as you need it to be. It could be one hour per week. And I was doing more like five hours per week, right? So you can set that to be any amount that you actually need. And there are lots of virtual assistants out there who can help. So um, anyways, there's another suggestion. But planning and preparation, that's going to be huge. Getting help unpaid. That's my next suggestion. And then if you have to. Also systems, uh, if you can have systems and processes for things that kind of goes under like 
getting organized and like planning and preparation. But if you can implement systems, that also saves time. And for me, planning the year became systematic. We had a system that we used to plan it. Um, so therefore, the meetings were very systematic, planning the meetings, prepping for the meetings, it was all very systematic. Instead of just feeling like each week, oh gosh, I have a troop meeting on Tuesday, what am I going to do? We need a plan. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't have supplies. I have to come up with something on the fly. Or even we have a troop meeting tomorrow. I've seen that in Facebook groups a lot. Like, I have a troop meeting tomorrow and I'm just totally unprepared. By planning and prepping the year ahead of time, that never happened to me anymore. And the beginning of of Girl Scouting, like when I first started, that was every week. It was like a, a treadmill of, oh gosh, what are we doing at this week's? Well, I did every other week, but every every other week it was like, oh gosh, do I have a meeting plan for this this meeting? I have to come up with something or saying to my co-leader, I do not have time to plan this meeting. Even though I did most of the meeting plans our first year, I did have a co-leader who mostly was just an extra set of eyes and, and ears and hands. But Every once in a while, I'd be like, I'm too overwhelmed. I can't. I don't have time to plan a meeting. Can you please plan something for this uh, for this upcoming week and, um, you know, hop on Pinterest and find something? And that made a world of difference, just having somebody that I could ask. But you guys, planning the year ahead of time removed that entirely, like entirely. So um, it turned into... Um, either me myself or me with a co-leader or me with a couple of co-leaders, we would get together pretty much one day or two days and we would sit down and just hammer it out for like a couple of hours, right? And then details, semantics could be filled in over time separately, but like that togetherness was like one day. And um, I also would do it myself, just by myself, and just devote like a day to um, hammering that out. And um, I in I had a dream of making it a retreat weekend with my co-leaders where we would go spoil ourselves um, and get like a hotel or even a nicer like a resort or something for just us for that weekend. We would spend time planning. We would plan the whole the whole year and then we would reward ourselves with like pool time or massages or something or like a really nice dinner. That was my vision was that I wanted to build it up to where we would plan it at like a co-leader retreat. But um then COVID happened. So honestly, it just, we just never got there. So, but that's what we wanted to do in 2020. Um, so that's a big help. So I think coming back around to finish this out, I just want to remind you what I started with, which is giving yourself grace that, you know, sometimes flying by the seat of your pants is the best you can do. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to give everything 100% and that's okay. And sometimes you're going to go through seasons where you're like an all-star Girl Scout leader. And sometimes you're going to go through seasons where you're just doing the best you can. And you know what? That's more than doing nothing. And even a little tiny bit of Girl Scouts is hugely beneficial for girls. So um, thank you for what you do. Even if you feel like you're a mess, even if you feel like you're totally out of balance, you are amazing for doing this, for wanting to do this, for wanting to provide girls with a safe space to be girls. And that's the most important thing. If your girls have a safe space to be girls, if they're safe and they are having fun, then you're doing a great job and give yourself some grace about that. And and 
the rest of it, that just, you know, some seasons are going to be better than others. Some years are going to be better than others. Uh, and we're all just doing the best we can. So, you know, you're doing your best. And sometimes your best, this is a, a really interesting concept too. I'll leave off on this. I had a business coach in the beginning of 2021 and she told me, she would ask me, well, do you feel like you did your best? Or she would tell me, well, you're doing your best. And I would say, but I'm not though. I know I could do better. And she said, no, no, no. Doing your best does not mean it's the best of what your talent is capable of. It means you're doing the best you can with the circumstances at hand. You're doing the best you can with your energy level, with your mental health, with your other commitments, with all of it, right? Like there's all of these other factors that go into what you have the bandwidth to do at any given point and how well you are doing at anything at any given point, how much you give to something, Whatever you have to give in that moment, that's how you measure the best that you can. It's not um, like what your talent is capable of or what your experience level is capable of. It's that matters, but it's also all these other factors that contribute to sometimes my best does not look as good at other times because sometimes my best is already drained and already struggling. And so <laughs> your best looks different in those seasons and that's okay. So all of this to say, um, that's how I balance my personal life and Girl Scouts. That's Those are my tips, tricks, and hacks, but also um, realistically, you just, you're doing the best you can and sometimes it's gonna be a mess. All right, see you next week. <laughs>